0: Hey there, shopper maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the shop talk show. I'm Dave still in my house. but shit's never going to be done. I'm Rupert with news. Chris comfortable in the booth with the just Miami vibes. choir. Oh, you're looking so good, Chris. Yes.
1: Oh, thank you, Dave. It's always good to talk to you. I woke up this morning thinking, God, what's on my schedule today? And I was like, oh, I get to have a chat with Dave. I have this super busy day and I don't even care because I enjoy this so much. It's so cathartic to do this show. Great?
0: It I, is. You'd think after nine years we'd get sick of talking to each other every <laughs> week. But yeah. hey, here we are. It's fun. It's still fun every single time.
1: It is fun. You know, I really enjoyed last week's show talking about ES modules and all that stuff. I know that was really deep in the weeds, but I just, just loved that. And that's just a different vibe of show and it's just me and you. But I am looking forward to figuring out what else we can, I have a couple of ideas, but to extend that like what's up with JavaScript in 2021 thing, I think that'll be fun to explore.
0: We did the 2019 series, which is like, I just You'd look at the that
1: year was, and I'm I'm already checked out. I'm like, that's two well, years. Well, you would ago. think
0: that would still be super relevant. It is not like with this change into like IE is like on the the ropes, right? Of being just gone forever. IE 11, like most people don't care about it. Even the the like you know, uh, Jason was was kind of arguing like maybe you don't need it, you know, and or like if you just only output a modern bundle you're just like you save so much code and stuff like that
1: like it's becoming a I've, big talking point this like we are shipping too much polyfilled code to all browsers and that's kind of got a stop thing and if the way to stop it is by stopping caring about IE that's cool there's other ways to do it that aren't that extreme but if mm-hmm. that's the thing that gets you to stop doing it that that would be cool uh, and you're right that was not what we were talking about in 2019
0: no, but, but here we are like, that's happening. This, you know, imports ES modules. Like, that's like really like, if you say that's my cut the mustard, that's my line of like what's modern and not modern. Wow. You open up so much stuff. Um, so much simplicity. I feel like, cause, cause you don't have, you just like import this thing from this thing. Okay. I know how to do that. Or like, or your code mod, web packing solution isn't, isn't like, I'm going to go find this file on your computer. It's like more like, let me just alter this to a URL that actually exists. Like, like it just basically like fill resets your import statement and that's all it does. And that's like kind of very cool to me. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, just to take this even just deeper place, just for fun to see what you think about it. That you know, because we you just mentioned importing, right? Importing mm-hmm. is a it's a big it's a big deal as you as you build out a web application because it's how you write your JavaScript. It's how you write your styles too. Often, even if it's in mm-hmm. just SAS or whatever, you're still like it's often that a file at the top of a SAS file will have imports in it. I happen to be like kind of neck deep in a mono repo effort at Codepen. We've been this is a year's long effort. It's not just like we should have a mono repo and then and then do that. But I think I feel like I've talked about it a number of times we 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 kind of weren't. You know, we'd be like, oh, we need a new, a new like Lambda. Well, let's just spin up a repo for that Lambda, write it all up and then shoot it out. And that was nice because the way that we could like write deployment for it was just based on that repo and it was just rock and roll. Right. And then, and then over time, it's like, yeah, but then that, that repo like becomes this like forgotten child. And that the chances of it running the same node version of every as everything else is low because it's just whatever it's just working just leave it alone or or that it's got its own prettier RC it's got its own it's got its own everything it's linted differently it's just it feels like it's not a part of the party and when you pull things into a mono repo, you get the advantage that you're like everything is a first class citizen in your repo. And I really kind of like that, as long as you get the deployment story right, which we figured out. So it's kind of like that's it's 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 just feeling more compelling, but it opens up kind of some other problems. And that's why I mentioned importing. So so let's say then that you write some little utility or you have some constants. That's a big one, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, okay. you're writing an app, and you you want to like have one source of truth for some I don't know some enums, and you're at get some enums exactly. Yeah. And why you know the fa- if you have three repos and three enum, enum files that are repeated, you're kind of doing it wrong, right? Because that's like right. oh those could get out of sync. So you make a folder, say at the root of your mono repo, that's like your library or maybe even call it constants because it's just it's thing it, it's almost like it would be a separate repo that other repos would import because that's where your enums are. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in a mono repo you don't have to, but what you do have to do is f- figure out how to import them kind of cleanly. And so mm-hmm. you're in one area of your mono repo. The way that you write that import statement could be like dot dot dash dot dot dash dot dot dash Yeah, and if the file ever moves,
0: you got to update the dot, dot, dash. Yeah, Yeah,
1: so I think developers have been, like, annoyed with that. Like, somehow that's, like, never, you never see that. It's always, like, no, I will write, like, Mm -hmm. webpack config that sets that root so that if I ever do import constants slash whatever, it knows exactly where I mean and it's config based, yeah. and that Solve seems that fine. Solve that with
0: a thousand lines of code. I will do it.
1: Yeah. I will. Yeah, there's no limit to the technical debt that yeah. I will incur from from making clean imports. And I kind of don't blame anybody for that because there are. It, it is kind of problematic to have
0: too fragile of import statements. You know what? Um, Nuxt does that. I wish was a convention. Is they'd use the the squiggly, the tilde, mm. like as as root. So that's your project root. So next, you know, you can infinitely nest your pages, and then they'll right. like get routes automatically. And so that route then kind of messes. But like they have the tilde for like base URL, basically, or whatever is what it probably would get transpiled like to. That. But because like, slash isn't enough, is that too dangerous to use? Yeah, slash yeah. is like like that's too sort far, of just, too deep. I don't know if that. I don't know. Yeah, I guess slash would totally work, but then. You know, sometimes your slash isn't the same because you've like compiled to a disk direct. Ah, but anyway, the the tilde is pretty cool convention there. Um, I agree,
1: that is cool. But what say you have yeah. to reach up outside of your nuxt because mm. your enums aren't in your nuxt folder; they're up outside of it. Still, They should be
0: yeah, they should be. I think that's where the tilde comes in because it's just you go to the root of the project and then, then do dot dot slash. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then yeah, they that, do that's a little okay. web packing to yoink those in to whatever. Right. And
1: it's a standard so it feels less fragile or whatever. So <laughs> there's so there that's one way to do it. There the another way to do it would be um links. So yeah, in your NUXT folder, say in your mono repo, then you put right at the root of it a sim link to wherever the other thing you're trying to import is and then it's it's kind it's magic i mean symlinks kind of sh- there they shouldn't call it magic because they've probably been around for a hundred years in computing but the idea is you don't have to like tell anybody what's going on like it that folder to the system feels very much like the real folder
0: it's well and Yeah, it's weird, right? Because you're like, surely I made a hack that the computer won't get, right? But but really, when you think about the folders, that's an abstraction. You know, like like all these things are like just assignments on the disk, like 0xf00533. Like they're all just assignments on the disk. And, you know, you create a symlink and it's just kind of like a... Yeah, they feel fake folder that un- points to the fancy, memory address really. of another folder. Yeah. It's just-
1: yeah. And you can go ahead and look in your sim link and see what it is. Like the sim link is a kind of a file that has like a, you know, where am I and where is it? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've made them wrong before where I c- commit it and then in the sim link it was like users, Chris Coyer, fold you know, and then it doesn't work yeah, on yeah. somebody else's machine. I'm like, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. That's
0: one of those things. It's like, that and get merge, like I've made a thousand million symlinks over the years, but like, and I've merged a thousand branches. But like, whenever I do those, those are the two I'm like, hey, I'm just going to Google because if I mess this up, I messed it up real good, you know? So, <laughs> like, because you don't want to do the backward symlink where all of a sudden you just whatever, like now you're, you're, Thing references the root of the hard drive or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's I what gotta, I don't
1: like. I installed the the thing that I, I on my on my Mac. I found a, a way to do it where it's a service. You know, so I can right click on any because the Mac you can make an alias, but that's not that's like a Mac specific. Sim link, mm-hmm. it's not a real. Mm-hmm. You, what that would be too dangerous to commit. You need a real, real sim link, the like Unix style or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, you, and now I can right click folders, go down to services, and it says make symbolic link, and then it makes like a real sim link, which macOS oh, really? also understands, but it's just not the proprietary one that Mac has.
0: Was that from your setup subscription? Did Ugh, up and no,
1: set up? I just oh. I think it was a Stack Overflow answer or something. Okay,
0: but nice. I like it. I like
1: it. So okay, then there's this other way though, which ups the complexity even again, which is use Lerna, or
0: use Ooh. oh yeah, I okay, you're gonna have to give me a tutorial here. I oh, hear I- Lerna, see Lerna, and then every time I'm like, let me check out Lerna. I'm I. I quickly like nope out of it but that's just me like <laughs> it's exotic siblings it. oh is it really yeah kind of but i don't i'm
1: very new to this so tutorial i cannot give you dave but i can tell you that we've been playing with it because we've been trying to solve this problem and so far it has
0: but it's, the- it's kind of the mono repo like manager right is that sort of it's job?
1: Yeah, I can't imagine why else you would use it, but but I'm only one organization, so I don't really know. But it feels, but because some mm-hmm. of it is internally facing, like I want to import stuff, I want to import my enums, I want to import my, more likely my design pattern library, mm-hmm. and I want to manage that. Let's say you're using Nuxt, but I want to manage it outside of Nuxt. Because maybe I have multiple Nuxt apps or something that just isn't Nuxed at all, and whatever next to each other, I want to be able to import those like like you would any other npm package. So in your package.json, you're like, you know, import this thing, but like locally. But it kind of looks like it's not local. It's just the mm-hmm. name or something. Anyway, okay. a little funky. But the, the, what it works is when it does a its npm stuff. Guess what? In the node modules folder, there's just a symlink sitting to that other thing on your disk so it it's not that magical you know because when you import something and then you run a bundler over it it's going to look in your node modules folder for that thing well now there's a symlink sitting there to the that other thing on disk. And I think that the magic is then if there's some discrepancy in how that's handled on other systems and stuff, that's what where the value of Lerna is, is that it will make sure that it deals with it for you. It's not like you didn't manually make that symlink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of makes them for you. So that's cool, but I think it also is outgoing. Like that's the internally facing stuff. But I think there's some value in that. Let's say you're Babel or whatever and you want to push to NPM all these different packages, but they're all in one repo, That's it can be helpful for that too. I was on purpose trying to avoid having to publish to NPM or anywhere else. Like, you know, I made a change to my design pattern library. Now push it to NPM so that my other areas of my app can utilize it. Like, I don't want to have to publish before I can use it. I want to hit command
0: S Mm -hmm. and use it. Right, and the, I guess Learner kind of does like all the auto versioning sort of help, right? Sort of for your sub packages. Yeah, but that's a the...
1: choice. I don't think you have to version your packages, and I, I think we're we're urging on not doing that because I don't I don't I don't really wanna I don't want to have an area of my site that has version 0.2.3 of my design pattern library and another area of the site that doesn't. Like I don't care that much.
0: Yeah, you're just gonna let well what i like about the repo structure i'm not you know i could go either way um not committed <laughs> but what i like about that structure is i think a lot in terms of contracts like you know oh i had to change the api of the whatever my whatever could calculate calculate what? payment widget or something yeah or or function i had to change the api of that and if it's in a Totally distributed system, like it's just like some function lambda function calculate payment.js, like that's okay. But now I've like I have to update that and land a commit in the main branch that, with the new API in every instance where it showed up ever, you know, like and the chances of like harmoniously landing those two commits goes down mm. based I know exactly on exactly what I mean and yeah. number of repos. You know, the the number of repos it it goes down. So for me it's a lot like, to ask to
1: be like I'm going to change this API and I expect the refactoring to be done absolutely everywhere that it that it happens and those things are in things that are deployed separately.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, tricky, tricky. But I've heard the converse, the the trade-off is you there's a lot of activity if you're on a big team, let's say like Facebook or something, um, mm-hmm. but like you're on a big team that's doing a monorepo, it's a lot of activity in that repo. So, like, you say, okay, well, I'm just going to get pull 70,000 commits come down, you know, and you're just like, yeah, ooh, like, <laughs> like, so I maybe you're the chances that you merge conflict are almost zero because you, or well, everybody's all over the place. Yeah. Everyone should be in their little, their little sub package right or their sub folder but but just your your thing becomes stale very fast is sort of the the issue so you could run into Mm -hmm. more problems the next time you start up so right
1: that's why this is a nuanced issue and then not everybody can take advantage of it and it's about people problems and organization problems and code problems they're all tied together it's not just a let's solve the tech only
0: yeah we're making something right now, and we have a bunch of netlify functions, yeah and we decided to change everything <laughs> like, just obliterate everything that's fine um but uh we but the netlify f- functions having those inside the repo is actually like solid gold because like we're just changing it, and we just update the functions you know like it' this, yeah it's kind of a really cool system. So it just we don't have to go far to make a big change. We're we're just in the but doesn't that
1: highlight that exact issue that like your Netlify functions are public URLs. Mm -hmm. And let's say you make another thing that depends on it elsewhere that's just deployed somewhere else. It's a totally different thing. But it needs that same function because that's nice but if you change that api you have no opportunity to ship a slightly modified version of it that's that yeah you know yeah, and, no. and, yeah you just it's just is what it is i don't know i don't know these are weird these are weird problems <laughs> but they're fun to think about you know i'm trying to make it as simple as possible for us you know like how can all of these apps use the same design system they're all react components but some of them are for us in Next.js, and some of them aren't even that's tricky because it's yeah. like next has its own opinions about how things should be structured and for example we like css modules. Next.js totally supports them. I'm like, ooh, Harmony, yay! <laughs> I <Yeah. don't> wanna... <laughs> That's cool, but it's also highly opinionated about, it's like, if you're going to use modules in Next.js, then the, the file has to be called style.module.scss. And we didn't do that. So now it's like, okay, I guess let's refactor every single component to have that. I mean, that's a big deal. You just run a find and replace and you you fix it, right? Not the end of the world, but it's like that's you know, it introduces some possibility for
0: breaking, you know, that yeah, if something was whatever, expecting an endpoint at JS or something and now it needs to be module JS or something.
1: But. Yeah. And plus <laughs> it's next is very it, it's not it's it's not a necessarily normal, happy path to import components that aren't within the next umbrella it, yeah. it can do it but it's like a third-party plug-in kind of thing to go grab a component from
0: elsewhere and compile it you know what uh, this speaks to like n- maybe my number one issue with any kind of adopting any kind of new tool is you know there's the quick start guide npm install npm create my thing npm co- how wasn't that cool you know like right. like like the path to like just spin it up man is so fast and so luxurious, you think, "Oh, this is amazing!" But the path to like integrate this into your thing sometimes is like a world of hurt, and and that's you know even for good software and bad software, it's 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 kind of like sometimes the docs can be very misleading on the level of effort to roll it into an existing project. Like a lot of tools aren't designed for even existing projects. You know, they're mostly designed for uh, kind of greenfield stuff, you know, that's in my experience.
1: But It was, we're we're weeks into figuring out all this and having little hurdles happen that we just didn't know were happening at all. Like the, the, you know, the next transpile modules thing I just mentioned, which is like, go outside of my repo and grab it. Well, it just wasn't working quite right with Lerna for us. So we literally have this important package that we monkey patched. We had to it yank good. it out of the node modules folder. You know, You know, Alex is in there console.logging how it's resolving the files that it's finding. And we're like, oh, weird. It doesn't like symlinks here. But I'm like, that's the whole point of this thing is that it resolves symlinks. But we had to change it. We monkey patched the whole thing to change a false to a true. And now now we maintain this package. Hey, you know? oh, congratulations.
0: My gosh. But that's uh, a
1: that's a weird, a world of hurt is a way to describe it, you know? Like the, it, it wasn't, so awful that we like couldn't figure it out, but it's like that's not anywhere near the happy path that it looks like it's going to be.
0: Yeah, the website's just whatever smiling group of people high fiving over computers, you know, <sighs> and, and then you're in here like, I is I have to flip this to true, like like I have to reach into, I have to write my own and fork this and make that say true. This is wild. So uh, that's you know, and that's computers, I guess, but. Um, it th- is. But that's been my experience It's like, hey, cool, check out this cool thing It makes you so cool, it makes cool websites And you're like, yeah, great, I'm going to use that And then you're like, I'm going to put it in my project And then it's just, you hear the like record scratch You know
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So there's me Trying to import <laughs> I, went- I know what you mean You did the little
1: romantic comedy interlude 1980s, that's me Trying to <laughs>
0: import something into <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you mean. This episode was brought to you by Feature Peak. Brand new sponsor. Thanks so much for the sponsorship. Feature P-E-E-K. Uh, Allow me to try to explain it. I think this is really legitimately super cool. So let's say you're working on your website and it's like on GitHub, like every other website in the world. And you do like a pull request on it. Great. So there's code that's going to be reviewed or whatever ideally wouldn't it be nice if the pull request had like a link and people could just click it and then see exactly what the website is like with that pull request in place that's one of the things feature peak does so like imagine this you like install their app on your github org and then there's a config file and the config file that you put at the root of your project says like okay feature peak uh My app boots up in this Docker container and, you know, this port. And so, like, please do that based on the code that you see in this project for us. Or it's, like, built from a static site generator. So this is a static site, and it's in the dist folder, so please throw that up. And they'll then spin up a copy of the website at a special URL just for you so that anybody looking at that PR then opens up that link and is like, okay, well, here's the PR with this like working pull request code in place. So much better than just being able to check You know, just, like, look at the code and, like, hope it's okay, you know? It's so great to be able to look at what's actually happening there. So then you follow that link, and it's not just your app, but there's this sidebar there, too, which is, like, okay, um, I want to, I have, like, thoughts about this pull request. I'm looking at it now and there's like continues to be problems or I have comments or something. You open up that sidebar and you can comment on stuff. It's like a a whole team product, you know? And it can be integrated with third parties too. So it's like your GitHub stuff is right there too. So it's like, well, we track our stuff in GitHub issues. Fine, well then in that sidebar, it's linked up to your GitHub issues. You can open stuff and relate it to that PR right from that URL. So you're not like managing multiple tabs and figuring out what's going on. That's you know, and that's not even all. Feature peak does really compelling product. I mean, the idea is that then you have to like ping them as part of that pull request, like run a GitHub Actions and tell Feature Peak, okay, this PR is ready to go. But because it, it just works in anything, it works in AWS Code Build or Azure Pipelines or Circle CI or Travis, you know, whatever. Um, just ping them and let them know that that PR is ready to go and that's how it works really cool great product thanks for the support so we have some interesting questions and comments from people we'll get to and then I'll and then I'll interrupt us again and make Dave educate me on something else but you weird. know we had jay hoffman right and jay writes the uh, the history of the web series on his own side and he beautiful, publishes beautiful. some on Thousand css tricks is... it's good yeah i owe jay i want to do some even more fancier stuff with the ones he publishes on css tricks because they're so good and interesting and cool and i'm glad somebody's documenting that but so jay's a writer you know and he writes great stuff i i one day it's these are going to end up in wired or something i feel like they it's that like level of you know readiness. So he says, you know, I believe you're asking about complicated workflows. Remember that, Dave? I've got one oh, for yeah. you. I used to track all my ideas for posts in, in a separate post status in WordPress. Even that's funny. You know, like invent a new post status that's not even draft or whatever, but it's, it's like, like idea. idea. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but since then, i pulled them all out of those and put them in Notion. But uh, I keep a running repository of longer notes in a different application. So Notion isn't even where the writing is. Notion is just a list of links to another app where the actual writing is. And then he's like, and now this is where it gets tricky. I'm like, oh, he really is convoluted. I really like writing in Gutenberg, Gutenberg being the you know the WordPress fancy editor, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I, I, I like too. In fact, I listened to a podcast where Mullenweg is saying, you know, I want to open source this thing so wide that it has nothing to do with WordPress. It's just the editor that everybody uses for anything. And I'm like, okay. well, that's actually a good goal. I love that. Anyway. So he likes writing in Gutenberg, but he finds that he likes styling Gutenberg differently depending on like the writing experience versus like what it's actually like before publishing. So Jay spins up a local version of WordPress just to have a customized version of Gutenberg in it, just to have it how he likes to write <laughs> then when it's ready to publish he copies and pastes all of that into another site running gutenberg but it isn't you know but it's like the one on the actual web and then publishes that
0: so yeah so notion to notes app to wordpress to wordpress to the email that comes in your inbox and i yeah. wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> that's perfect yeah. beautiful 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 well done jay You you invented a monster. (laughs) (laughs) Got another one here, huh? Jason Lawton. All right. Here, I'll read it. Jason Lawton writes in, I help. I'm having analysis paralysis. I'm a WordPress dev by day and night, uh, but I want to try out something new for my personal blog. Dave's comments about personal blog being fun really resonated with me. I have a design concept worked out. Uh, but I'm not sure what to use to power it. I could use WordPress. Uh, I want to try out something Jamstacky. Ideally, I'd like to do the post pages via markdown files hosted in Git with some sort of build process. I have a domain uh, I host, so I'm not interested in Netlify, although I feel like I could solve a few or most of my issues. Um, I was thinking Gridsum, but I've never heard about anything about it, so I'm not sure if uh, it's a viable solution in the long term. Is Eleven D a better solution? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm interested in Gatsby. Do the React requirement. I'm on Team View. All right.
1: Okay. So do so. The, let's have some, let's like give him an like a instead of instead of giving you more analysis paralysis, let's just give you exactly what we think you should do. <laughs>
0: like overly I, use,
1: opinionated answer.
0: Use Gridsum. That's it. You're on team view. Use
1: Gridsome. Just do it. Just yeah. Do it. Which we were talking about Nuxt. Nuxt and Gridsome are, they're, they're different things, but they're related. Right. Aren't they? They, they both do static site generators. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff?
0: Yeah. Gridsome's more, what would be the, like, like all the doc sites for view, like almost all of them, I think are written in Gridsome. Are so, they? Like, if oh, you well. went to like a, a Nux site it's it's all right i think nux docs might be gridsome i don't know uh, what? But like a, i don't know actually but a lot of the view doc sites are written in gridsome and like it's really good my friend zach uh meyer um i can put a link to his blog here he actually went through the same thing you went through like very wordpress he does react by day but um he uh You know, he was he tried out eleven, he spun it up. He's like, this is cool. I know everyone uses it, it's cool, but it's like not me. And then he tried gridsome, and he's like, This is me. And it's a weird, he's like, I feel weird because again, it's like not the popular choice. It's not in like the top five SSGs or whatever. But like he was like, This is just it, and I feel productive in here and I like it. So there you go. Cool.
1: I don't really know the difference between gridsome and nuxt, but that would be uh, that That's wild. Uh, they both are, are highly regarded and, and, and people really like it. And I, I don't even know. The, the reason I, I've i tried Nuxt a little bit recently is just because of how, you know, one-to-one it kind of seems with Next and I know yeah. Next and I, mean, I don't know Next, but I know it enough, you know, that it seems like that's nice to have that comparison to work with.
0: You know, this m- maybe Gridsome. Um... Is maybe more like Gatsby-ish, if you want to. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Um, Does it have adapters for content? Oh, it's GraphQL uh, internal. Yeah, I guess un- you're right. Hood,
1: right, like so. Nux Nuxt is to Next as Gridsum
0: is to Gatsby. Hmm. That, what's let's call that? we'll, we'll do? <laughs> that's my ignorant, um, right feeling, but but yeah, I think uh, yeah,
1: and, uh, and didn't so we're saying sum for Jason. And we're saying he's like, I already have a host, so I don't want to use Netlify. Why? You know what? What is that host? I'd be fascinated to know what the, you'd think the thing is there because Netlify is just so easy and so gem stack ready, and it's like it's two clicks to get it over there. It's like I feel like it's almost more of a pain in the butt to try to wire up some old hosting to, with a deployment system than it would be to just use free Netlify. You know. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. In fact, I'm kind of here. Let me, I'll derail us immediately. So, But we've already answered your question, Jason. You're going to do your site in grid sim and mm-hmm. just put it on now. Uh, okay. Yeah. So
0: done. Easy, uh, easy, easy answer. Done. This
1: episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Algolia, A-L-G-O-L-I-A. It's a search company. It's like a search product. It's awesome. I've used it, love it. It's It does a great job. So, you know, you need to give it stuff to search through. So in Algolia, you sign up for it. And they got a free plan, by the way. The free plan supports anything under 10,000 search results. So pretty generous free tier there. So, But you got to teach it, you know. You got to give it stuff to search through. And then once the data is in there, then you implement the search UI on your side. meaning you can build anything. So the search experience is real time, super fast, but can be designed any way at all for your site because you hit it and it gives back JSON, which, you know, you can do anything with on the front end so what's cool about Algolia is it helps you with both things. It helps you get data into it to search and it helps you with the APIs and stuff for the other side for designing the search experience in your UI. Uh, so pretty cool. An example of that is like, is like, like, you know, plugins for languages that will like help you help it suck in the data. You can also just go into Algolia and just like type in a, like a, it's, JSON, right? So you put like a blob of JSON in there and that's a record in an index that then can be searched, like all of it. And it does really intelligent stuff with search and you can help teach it and all that stuff. Uh, But there's like plugins for WordPress or whatever, like put all my WordPress data in there and then I can build my own custom search through that data uh, and that kind of thing. And then, so on the flip side, then they have this library called instant search.js which is just raw javascript but then there's also you know an angular plugin react plugin view plugin and all that uh if you want to do that and that just you know you'd say here's my api key and whatever and then hook it up to that index and then You hit it with search, you know, search queries and you just get data just immediately. Super fast data, which you can scope and finesse and do all that stuff, build any kind of search experience. So great product. Thanks for the support. Algolia. So somebody wrote to me asking about hosting, and it was one of those sites like, I'll give you a couple of quick answers. But they had this legit thing where they're just like, I don't even know what host to pick. There's stuff like GoDaddy and Bluehost and HostGator. And then there's stuff like Firebase has hosting and Mm -hmm. amplify as hosting and how does netlify factor in and Vercel, and all you know like there's a there's all this hosting and there is some degree of commonality and overlap to them they host your website that's a lot of commonality you know but like what's the difference what do you pick how do you possibly decide between all these things like i don't even know how to start thinking about it so I started writing this post, and now, of course, it's already, like, thousands of words long. I'm like, oh, my God, this was a hard answer. But I'm I'm curious, like, how you think about those kind of things and and if there's, like, general advice to to think about, you know?
0: Like picking the right host or whatever? I don't know. I don't want to,
1: like, throw somebody like HostGator under the bus because I don't really care like if you have a happy time using hostgator or their prices right for you or it matches your needs that that's certainly fine but it also it feels like there's like this bucket of hosts in that category that do that do just are feeling a little long in the tooth and that they don't give you what these new hosts give you. Like, they're not giving you SSL. They're not giving you an SSN or a SSL or a CDN. Yeah. They're, they're not, like, helping you with the deployment story. They're, like, not doing anything for you. And it's starting to feel a little weird. Like, what are you doing for me then? But what they do do is they run <laughs> PHP and they run MySQL. And there's this ton of... CMSs in that bucket WordPress included and it feels like well no wonder you're still around because you solve this thing that powers you know half or more of the web
0: I I feel like that's it is you have to be like what do I need at the core right what 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 are my core needs and how can this server meet my core needs you know like um if I'm building a static site like top of mind some of its top of mind right like they have good uh you know, developer advocates and evangelists, product evangelists and stuff like that. And so you're just like, oh, I thought of them. They're doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and is there an easy path? You know, if I was building on the Goog stack, you know, Angular, Firebase, blah, blah, blah. Heck yeah, I'd use Firebase for everything. Like, and and it's pretty compelling now, but like, you know, that's maybe like the easiest path to get forward, you know? The path, you know, I, that's
1: exactly what I was thinking is that it's it's about that happy path, right? It's like, if I'm already using Firebase for a bunch of other stuff, doesn't it just then make sense to use the Firebase hosting too? That's yeah. the happy path. Whereas like doing a Gridsome site and figuring out how to deploy it to my Bluehost is not happy path. You're like,
0: Yeah, can I even put Node on my Bluehost? I don't even know, man. So like, you don't know. That's the thing. And here's the answer: Maybe, kinda. Like, they'll a server. They have a server. You could probably put. You can SSH
1: into it. You can figure it out. But is that happy path? What happens if something goes wrong? Are they going to support it? What there's like. Precious little docs on this kind of thing, so that's why I was asking you the other day. I was like, "What?" I was just I was mining for data. Like, what comes to mind when you're like, "I want to run a node server." What are you gonna do? Could you get it running on a GoDaddy server? Yeah, you could, but that's not. There's no way Dave Rupert's gonna have that come to his mind as the first possibility.
0: No, no. I mean, it. We we had this the other day, and we just uh, picked up DigitalOcean, and and some of the things are like. Oh, DigitalOcean. Oh, we can also like just do a database, and oh, we can do a thing. And we had actually started out on Heroku, and we're doing it there. But then we hit some weird limitation. Um, I don't even remember what it was, but it just like it was like we couldn't. We we didn't have the proper database access. We couldn't like we we have a proxy database access, and we couldn't like whatever. Just use a tool to reformat the database. So we we're like, oh, we need a new host. So so we just tried DigitalOcean and it's running and it's twenty five bucks a month for all the servers. We're running like three or four servers and so like mm. whatever. Those little like, five dollar droplets do it for you. Yeah, yeah. The database yeah. is it's kind of funny. I mean, database is they're like start at like fifteen for yeah a database. Okay. And you can put a database on the five dollar, but again, yeah. you're sort of you don't like get the like, I guess the level of support, I guess. So Mm. anyway, we have one of their database products as well, but like, but we're just basically like, how, you know, can we do this? And then if we wanted to do this again, oh, it costs $25. That's really not a big deal in the big grand scheme of hosting. So, Mm
1: -hmm. so um, I think people think of DigitalOcean because the amount of happy paths on DigitalOcean are many,
0: mm Mm-hmm. They different.
1: have a droplet for a node server. They have a drop that's in a droplet can be anything, but they're pre they're ready to go. They they might even have one for grid some, you know, like, you know, I don't know if they do or not. But there's a lot of like pre-configured droplets where you're like, oh, I want that one. I want the like MariaDB one or whatever, or the Postgres droplet. Here you and go. They're
0: oh. They're a user experience driven company is what I would say. You know, they want your money, obviously, like. <laughs> capitalism ah, but no they want your money uh but like they're a very user experience driven company they they for the longest time and netlify is the same thing i think yeah, probably any of the sponsors we have in the show are all the same um but they they like they care about the user experience the the happy paths they're trying to mow down and so like Something if it's a static site, I'm going to go with Netlify because I just know they worked really hard on it. But then the other day you and I were looking at AWS Amplify, right? Because we're just like, oh, maybe this is like, you know, if I have like all this AWS stuff, like an S3 bucket, blah, 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 blah. Maybe I just hit a button and it's there for me, you know, command line and it's there. So there's, yeah, there's
1: certainly happy paths on Amplify that are that are leaning into AWS services, like the happy bath on Firebase is leaning into Firebase services. Let's say you're going to use Next.js. Who's the host for that? It's Vercel. Mm-hmm. Their homepage for it says, host on the platform made for Next.js. That's the happy path.
0: Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't even consider another one. I mean, I know Netlify has been working on their Next support stuff, but, but that's, yeah, it's like, and then... If I'm making a Rails app, Chris, you know where that's going. Well, let me guess. Heroku. Heroku, a hundred times. I mean, just yeah. that's its bread and butter. That's what it's born out of. It is a Rails app. Like you just, yeah. Like, uh, but but it does other stuff too. That's it's not. Don't like just because I have it pigeonholed doesn't mean you should have it pigeonholed. But like,
1: isn't that the funny yeah. thing? Because there's some muscle memory to this too. There's like, well. You know, I have seven sites on Netlify, so even though I'm going to make a Next.js site, I'm going to put it on Netlify because I already know how all that works. Like, I have a lot of built-in muscle memory for that kind of thing. Or, like, I already do have 10 sites on GoDaddy or something, and, and you know, I know how their control panels work, and I know how to SSH into their things, and I know what's what to expect and what to get out of that. That means it doesn't mean don't do it everybody's a little bit different. They're just kind of like, I just am talking about that happy path thing. If you're this person who wrote to me and they have no idea, my suggestion is to look for those happier paths, you know? Mm-hmm. Python will be the same way. I'd be like, I don't know, Heroku like really like makes, they have a landing page for Python on Heroku. It's like, I'm going to do that one then.
0: I'll do know. that one. No, if, if they care, if the, you know, you can also ask, whatever your your heroes in whatever language like what do you use and they'll that's enough influence too i mean like i I think that makes a big deal like if somebody i know who deploys these kind of products they ship it out on this thing then i'll i'll probably do that same thing too um i was just thinking about craft cms really cool cms you used to office with them yeah you know like uh, hey maybe do it on DigitalOcean. that's i know a lot of people craft people who do the five dollar digital Ocean, but they also now have a craft cl- cloud product so maybe i'd just let them do all my hosting you know like there's you know there's options there too so they have a,
1: a hosting page for craft i was looking at just the other yeah. day of like ones that they suggest and there's some pretty interesting ones in there including names that i um don't necessarily think of all that often, but are like, but you know that if craft themselves is saying this host is like ready to rock for craft. And then I clicked over to the host company and it had a landing page for craft too. And I was like, that's a
0: smart call. You know? Yeah. 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 That's how you do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, whatever. I put craft on AWS before it works. It's fine. It was a bit frustrating, but not, Just from the AWS side. There's one, Cloudways. I don't know much about them, but they, you know, craft CMS hosting with super fast
1: speed. And they literally show craft running on it and how they are really invested in PHP hosting and support that kind of thing. I'm like, gosh, that's great, you know. Although it looks like they, maybe they're kind of like a reseller in a way. That's kind of funny. I think you like, you start it with Cloudways and then they put it on a cloud provider. All right, like AWS, all right. which is kind of interesting. That and that's a hard thing to explain too. To a, that I'm not sure I'm totally qualified for, but to a newbie, be like, well, how does AWS factor into this? And like, maybe the short answer is like, AWS is like the metal a lot of times it's like real low level services and you might find hosting providers that maybe they don't even tell you this but they're built on AWS
0: I think that's not I'm not an expert but I think a lot of uh, Heroku is that it's just a GUI for AWS (laughs) a GUI you can use um but you know or, or yeah I mean the hardware comes from somewhere I mean I know some Sometimes they're just like...
1: So then why wouldn't you just pick AWS, Dave? I mean, we, it's, DS, or it's DX, meaning developer experience, meaning they make it easier for you. But is it too much to struggle through just using AWS?
0: In my opinion, I mean, you know, um, I, I think DevOps is a role. Can I say that? Is that controversial? That's
1: how I'm ending my post, Dave. I feel like I'm going to steal all your ideas. (laughs) Is that, well, I want to go through all this and get through this, you know, thousand word article because I think it's going to be nice to point people to in the end. is like, if you're excited by all this, if this sounds fun to you and not like a mess, you should consider DevOps because this stuff is
0: hard. No, because that's my thing, like building out this little product. It's like, I, I want to offload the DevOps. I know that's fun and, and sometimes it's cool to play servers, but like if I could just n- not have that a concern as a small team, like again, Paravel's like three people. We bring in three other friends occasionally, four other friends occasionally, but like, you know, the, like we're a small team, like, and if one person is a bottleneck for servers and one person is a, you know, or like just stuff like that, like, it's just, that's, that's tough stuff for a small team. So, um, you know, but, but I feel like you could probably save money and you could probably like get cooler stuff and have more value. If you are a, you know, Dedicated DevOps person, or you hire somebody like that. So,
1: yeah, you might get, you know, well, because then you're losing money on hiring the person, but you're gaining money in that you're not paying the overhead of some other host who's trying to make money off reselling AWS. You're just paying AWS directly. AWS wants their costs to be really low so people keep doing that. I mean, we've benefited from that at CodePenny. You get an email once in a while, it's like, you know what's cheaper now? All your stuff. We just made it. We found a way to just make it cheaper. And you're like, oh, thanks. Yeah, cool. That's that's their style. You know, I love that.
0: You know, and sometimes there's like artificial limitations to hit billing, you know, like, oh, you hit four TB bandwidth on your digital ocean or whatever, you know, like, like, I don't know how much, how quickly I'm going to hit four terabytes. But, you know, if you're on AWS, it's just kind of AWS is like, we we'll bill you for what you use, you know? And so like, they're not like, oh, you only yeah. had a four terabyte server, not a two ter. Or eight ton terabyte server or whatever so oh my or God. like number of database rows is another common lemon, you know pay to play mm-hmm. kind of thing so like you're like I don't know how many database rows I'm gonna need here so it,
1: yeah tiered billing sometimes can feel kind of fair although the, the 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 danger then is like what are my estimated costs and they're you know you can't you don't just know whereas if you if you buy the four tell everyone that your cost
0: is just gonna be what it is usually there's some hotels like if they have a gracious hobby tier it's gonna be more expensive when you get up to the big dog you know because they kind of got you but uh but if you have a but you know at the same time they can also kind of price themselves out of the job you know there's like
1: Oh, it's if You looked at the the Contentful pricing. Contentful is this cloud CMS thing, which I it is like really nice, and I I love their product. I love how they're dedicated to APIs. They're focused on one thing and one thing only, and just really dedicated to polishing what they have. And mm-hmm. it's this generous hobby tier. The intro paid plan is four hundred and eighty nine dollars a month. Woof, woof. What? It's but... either free. Or five hundred dollars a month. <laughs> that's what? a big jump.
0: There's, there's, it is a big jump. I mean, anyway. Is it aren't we supposed to be like drug dealers where like the first hit is free and then yeah. you like you <laughs> get people and then you kind of start whatever escalating it. But anyway.
1: Yeah, I think the world it just gets a little dangerous if, if AWS like somehow starts super perfectly nailing all the DX stuff. Because mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, why would I use anything else? Then it's like, everybody else uses you. But I mean, I know it's more complicated because there's all Azure, which we didn't even mention and Google cloud services and everybody's fighting the same fight.
0: But if you're talking to old Dave Rupert and, and you're like, is $500 a month good for like a CMS we don't maintain? Oh yeah, buddy. Like <laughs> <laughs> heck yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. And it's just up and it just works, then that's pretty good. I, I like on, I'm saying on the flip side, like, cause I mean, how many hours of Dave Rupert time is that worth? You know, that's whatever,
1: you know, it's a good point. It's a so, good point. That number sounds crazy, but it, it kind of, it's, it's actually extremely inexpensive in some situation developer time.
0: So, yeah. or or and is it important to your content people to have a good GUI? It might be, and it might be. I remember
1: learning this awesome. for the first time. I was I was this buddy of mine was working at a university, and they were trying to buy a CMS, and and I was like, what? Like this is they're f- they're free. So what are you talking about? Like I I can <laughs> get a can just install a CMS for you in two seconds. They we're like, but we don't actually have a team to maintain it. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like you have nobody at all. Right. So the, the deal would be to, that you need to, like, deliver some, like, really nice CMS-like experiments to people with nobody to maintain it. And so if you're talking about then, okay, let's use a free CMS, well, then you got to hire a staff, and that's, like, incredible amount of money, even if it was a handful of people. It's like you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars each year. That's just their salary, and then there's benefits for all these people and insurance and stuff that the company is paying. You're probably looking at, for a staff of three techers at a university level, it's probably getting close to a million dollars a year. and they're, So they're looking at a CMS that was a million dollars, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me now. All of a sudden, you have this million-dollar budget for a CMS, and it's actually economical to buy it. Well, that's how the
0: numbers work out. Uh, I had two thoughts. I mean, one time on the city of Austin put out a contract for like a website and they paid some company in California, like two million dollars to build the website for and it was like proprietary drupal you know like Mm -hmm. it was and like there's quite a bit of outrage in the local community because that could have gone into the community you know two whole million dollars you know um that would bottle a lot of beer here in austin um back in the day but like now that's like not a lot of money to me. Cause I just understand kind of the economics, like a two year project, 10 developers, like, or something like maybe that's what it takes, you know, or something like that. So, um, but it was just kind of like, you know, but, but the problem is it's a, pr- when human beings
1: get game. involved, the numbers change a lot when you're talking about literal salaries and, and man hours.
0: Yeah. Cause it's like hours. It's literally like, you know, Digitize or search index every single whatever plumbing <laughs> inspection in the whole entire city. You know, like that stuff's that's not fun work. But um, but uh, I was I follow a lot of game dev stuff. You've probably known that if you're on the show. But you know, the economics of that are really interesting. You know, just you think about whatever ten dollars or ten developers to make a video game at a hundred k. Uh, salaries or something like that. Maybe you can go 60, 70 K, you know, mm. depending on the market or let's just say a hundred or something. Uh, cause it's even numbers, but like you're, you know, if you got 10 developers at a hundred K, that's a million a year. Like, you're just burning through a million a year.
1: It's almost like, double that, Dave. Because I'm telling you, the employees have all these other costs that aren't just their salary. True,
0: true. Healthcare. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Office Max. You know. Yeah. You get Everybody Macintosh or whatever. But, but yeah, there's like you just have all these. You know, like. It's expensive to run companies and stuff like that. And,
1: so now yeah. that's $2 million for one year for these 10 devs. How are you possibly going to sell something? you got to sell a
0: lot of Mario Karts to, to make yeah. it back that you know or, or skins in Fortnite or something you know
1: which is why games are 65 dollars right or whatever yeah
0: that's part of the reason and they have ads inside of the games you know like <laughs> and they're like,
1: limited yeah you know, hollywood is a little different right? it's also very expensive to make a movie with all that staff and all that stuff but i i guess the idea is that if you know you make a big one that makes a lot of money but then it continues to make money for forever you know yeah. it's like that's like kind of a long tail which is probably less true of a video game right
0: or even a website yeah. I mean you you have kind of a big drop off after release day, you know. Um, mm-hmm. unless you catch a second wind or something. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh the economics are just wild. Just the stuff's very time consuming. So <laughs> And again, I just threw out that hundred K number. If that's not you, that's awesome. Like make your money, like, you know, but I, I just I was doing that for easy math. I don't. I hate it when somebody like says like, "Oh, developers should be getting paid six hundred k." Wasn't that an ad for a job or something recently? And I was like, "They should or what?" Like, anyway, I saw some Airbnb post for like six hundred k, and I just was like, "Is that what we just checked that out?" Is that?
1: (laughs) Uh, This is a fun one we'll end with, I think, from Ricardo G who just has a question about kind of terminology which is you know kind of kind of our fault for sometimes for using words that are, we don't define particularly well and but this is a weird one because of how many things are named after the word worker. Oh. Oftentimes I hear reference to workers or the workers API what have you. I'm a I'm a designer, you know, I'm looking to take the training wheels off when it comes to JavaScript development. But I find myself a little mystified on what workers do and what's the difference of them. You know, I found myself you know mentioning the concept of the specific cloudflare workers recently but that's probably less what ricardo is talking about unless he's listening to this show there's two kinds of workers in native javascript that are easy to confuse and in fact my co-workers often do just on like they know what they are it's just it's just confusing to to remember to call it the right one especially when you use both sometimes one of them is web workers and I, I don't know, that's a gosh, what a name, huh? But that's the kind that's a JavaScript file that runs on the client. So, like in your browser, it runs, mm-hmm. but off thread, they call it, which off means you have to like thread. register it and then you tell it to do stuff. And now that's relevant because regular JavaScript that you execute in the browser is all what they call single-threaded. And so this was a special API developed just to do that. So it can be busy working, doing some other stuff, totally independently of whatever else is happening on your page. Didn't we t- when we have a guest on this or something, talk about it a bunch? There's been some people that have been on a crusade of like, we are not taking advantage of this enough in modern web development.
0: Yeah, I think all that Google is very serious about that. But it's also kind of a clumsy thing because you're have you're like new worker link to file you know and and do we even have link to files anymore but and then (laughs) you need
1: some kind of pub sub thing to wait for it it to do stuff yeah Yeah, it's it's like
0: a message and then you emit a message on the worker um but they're they're cool um they can do a lot of computation off the main thread and save you some jank so um Mm -hmm. if you I don't know. If you're doing complex calculations, it might be worth it to do that. Just put it somewhere else. Um, you know, that's what they always say, but what's a complex calculation? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like you have to go through 3000 lines on a CSV and Turn it into JSON. Maybe that's a great place to do it. You know, like
1: well, that one is th- 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 that's there's like the gray, right? That one to me feels like firmly in the yes, of course, of mm-hmm. course, that's a worker. But how often do you actually need to do that, you know? And then chances are, isn't that just like a lambda or something? Aren't you like sure. making a server do that?
0: Well, and that's sort of this idea is it's if you think of workers as something that runs on a different CPU, um, you know, on on. It, with web workers it's on the same cpu but a different thread so it's kind of just a different core right it's running on a different mm. core um a cloud flare worker is is something that manipulates the code but it's on a different it's on a different cpu so it's not happening on your user's cpu so yeah, if you want to think of workers as something that runs on a different CPU or core or thread, like this, it's weird because you're getting down to the physics of the hardware, right? Like where where it actually the code actually runs. Think of it as as that way. And a service worker is a little bit different, but that's sort Mm -hmm. of
1: okay. So this is also runs on your browser, but this is a totally different kind of worker.
0: It's a worker. You register it. It runs in a different thread, like a background thread. It's running Mm -hmm. in the background of your website. But this thing manages caching and fetching one of its key pieces is the fetch like it can intercept a fetch and so whenever you click whenever your browser says hey go fetch this file or or whatever your service worker can intercept that and and say hey i'm gonna take over i'm the captain now (laughs) i'm doing something with this so you could literally whatever you want if you want to change all the images to be like a picture of a cat or beyonce or whatever you can do that with service. Super orders.
1: low level. Low, low, low.
0: Yeah. You're basically it's it's the like the you're you're the network controller. You're in charge of the inbound and outbound traffic inside the service worker.
1: That's funny to think about that way that a web worker is to a lambda as a service worker is to a Cloudflare worker, kinda. Because it also is like based on the network and the URL transactions. And yeah.
0: Stuff. And same with like a Netlify function. Or whatever, it's kind of like that's
1: more like a web worker, or a lambda. But Netlify has this whole spectrum of them. So they have edge handlers too that are like Cloudflare workers. Oh my God, this is complicated. This is
0: complicated, <laughs> Ricardo. You're very right. I um, feel like
1: I have it in my mind, but I I
0: can't explain they, it real good. They do they do similar things. Uh, you know, service worker is like its own spec, has its own API, has its own superpowers. Uh, but then you get into the Cloudflare workers, the Netlify functions, the Netlify edge handlers. The These kind of, uh, AWS Lambda stuff.
1: Those are just like things that some company provides. It's not native JavaScript. Yeah.
0: Those are like tiny node apps that just do one thing more or less. Like they, they say, oh, you requested, uh, I don't know (laughs) what would be a great example. Um, you requested a file, like a secret file. Great. I'm going to request that file, but with API keys, and then I'm going to give it back to you. I'm just going to return that. Like I'm a little node app that just sits in between your request uh, okay. or okay. proxies. Let's or do changes. this then. Yeah.
1: We'll do that. Like, what's the perfect use case for a web worker?
0: Um, a, uh,
1: Intense. A, Math calculations. Big something.
0: time math. You're changing the pixels on every single image of your page. But you need to do it in the browser. In the browser, yep. Canvas, you're, you're manipulating Canvas or something. Perfect. What's the
1: perfect use case for a service worker?
0: Uh, offline pages. like Like you say, hey, I'm going to... When a user comes on spotty Wi-Fi, I want the service worker to return my offline page or serve them a page I've already cached.
1: Mm-hmm. What's the perfect use case for like a Netlify regular function?
0: A regular function would be like um, proxy a request. Like go get this, but with my secret API key because I can't do that on my front end because I would expose my API key.
1: Okay. And then then a edge handler or a cloudflare worker a perfect use case
0: uh, hey okay this is tough okay hey i know you requested uh the account page but guess what i'm going to just put your little username right in there for you cuz to make it look like i didn't make mm. an extra request for usernames
1: that's pretty good that's is pretty that pretty good, good? Good job, Dave. I don't know. So a lot of these things use the word worker, and they're all a little related, but mostly pretty different. And just blame, just blame developers for not being particularly creative. You know, I to give it one to my coworker D, who was really funny. It wasn't about this specifically, but she was looking at a bunch of different, uh, like web. Nerd created metaphors. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, Apollo is all space themed stuff. And then we looked at like five more and they were all space themed. And she's just like, what is with you, freaking web developers? The only (laughs) metaphor you can think of is space. You're like, what's a good metaphor? Space. It's space.
0: I wish, I wish it got better. (laughs) But then you get into observers and it's just this all over. It's just, it's just. We're just a, we've come up with a new word every three years and we just use it or metaphor like space or Mm -hmm. atoms or whatever. We're to, Oh, remember when we all had mascots for every, Oh man, that was, (laughs) we are just a hive of
1: imitators. It's fine. Yeah. What happened to mascots? That's definitely coming back.
0: Wait for that. Maybe not this year, but it's shop talk mascot. What is it? It's just a, I don't know. It's a A Canadian Mallard. <laughs> it's a mallard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, thank you, dear listener, for uh, downloading this and your podcast choice. Be sure to star, heart, favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. And hey, we have like a big announcement. New website. We have a new website. Chris, hit the Let's talk program. about
1: it next time. But yeah, yeah, but we do have it. It is live now, and the website is fine. I mean, like, I, I like it because I like the simplification and I like some uh, some of the things going on. But the bigger deal is that I oh, wanted to put a big link in the nab that said, please join us at our Patreon. You can support the show that way. That gets you access to our Discord so we can all hang out. This is for super fans of the show. Do you love this show? Well, we love you back, but but you're, you have to then pay us. <laughs> Just You know what I mean? That's what Patreon is for. He gives you access the to the Discord. Out, let's be honest. And then yeah. we can talk and chat and have fun. And yeah, that's that's basically what it is. But it also means like you want to be there and you want to talk to us and we want to talk to you and it's a little social contract for that and mm-hmm. I don't mind. And then once we're in there, we'll figure out what else we can do for you once we're there.
0: Sounds good. Yeah, please sign up. Uh, you know, we, it'd be great. We're still figuring out the community. There'll be a big announcement, but like, still figuring it out. So, like, it's a great time if you want to jump in and, and whatever. We'll, we'll figure out the the bennies. What what this commu- community is doing together. So, we look forward to that. Anyway, that's great. Uh, and uh, yeah, Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to say?
1: Choppedockshow